0: There is a present reality of God available if we could just escape the grip of wrong thinking. A.W. Tozer once wrote that the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God. This is because what you think about God, your creator, your existence, is going to define everything about you and how you live. Reality is what actually is. And it's distorted, distorted by wrong thinking and believing lies. Paul writes to this, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. What actually is, is found in Jesus. As we recognize the truth about God and ourselves, we begin to think rightly and live in the reality of God. My name is Garrett. And I'm Alec. And join us today as we go beyond the veil.
1: Thanks for joining us again, everybody. Uh, A little bit about the podcast again. Just kind of love talking about the Lord. Um, Love being able to share our thoughts and opinions. um, What the Lord is teaching us. Uh, Just to preface again, we're not theologians. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, we really just love the Lord a lot. and He just speaks to our hearts so much. Um, So yeah.
0: Yeah, today we're... Going over thinking rightly and what that looks like. And this is a topic that we could spend hours and hours and hours going on. I was yep. thinking over just content and subject matter, and I thought, wow, there's like dozens of sermons people write on these things. There's um, so many scriptures about this, there's so many methodologies. And today, we just want to give you a framework of what it looks like to, look, to just uh, think rightly. About God and what that does for us and how it gets us into the reality that what actually
1: is of God Um, Yeah, so we're really excited to do this topic Yeah, super excited Like Garrett said, there's just like so much that can be said about this Uh, So we'll probably be doing another episode or two about it Um, Really like digging into it more so expect that in the future Yeah, so let's hop into it, man So
0: we talk about thinking rightly, kind of the starting place if you say, you know, if there's a thing about thinking rightly, then what does it mean to think wrongly? And the epitome of this that I find through discipleship, conversation, uh, looking at my own life, is I've realized the problem I think I have is never the problem I actually have. Yeah. It's It's funny, you... You can go down a question line, a, th- a logic line, and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm going through this. I can't get over this. Fill in the blank. And you ask the next question, you know, why do you think this? Or why do you feel this way? Or what got you here? And we start to ask these questions. We get down to the bottom. And it's like, oh, the problem isn't the thing I thought the problem was. The problem is most always a consequence of, Something else. It's it's a a byproduct. Um, There's a root to our wrong thinking.
1: Yeah, most often, you know, just like you said, there's a root to it, and we can get so caught up and even thinking about thinking, like, oh man, I want to constantly be thinking about the Lord. Like, how do I do that? How do I like just go throughout my daily life, moving around? Um, I'm working constantly. I want to think about God, and like, yeah, you just get caught up in your thoughts, and then eventually it's like, oh, man, I kind of lost sight of the goal.
0: Yeah. And you get these, like, you want to think about God all the time, but then you end up in these these battlefields in your mind, and those are the obvious stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're struggling with a lot of anxiety. Like, usually at some point within a cycle of anxiety, you realize, oh, no, I'm super anxious, you know, or, wow, I'm really scared, or why am I angry all the time all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, and so you... You recognize when you start thinking wrongly more often when Jesus isn't a part of the solution of the picture. when you're focusing on God, sometimes you think you're you're doing it rightly, like I'm praying enough, I'm worshiping enough, mm-hmm. I'm you know having my discussions, I'm learning. and the interesting thing about this is on one end there's this obviousness to something is, is wrong. There's a problem. And on the other end, it's a little bit less obvious. You can not quite put your finger on why something feels wrong. Why I can't just, I don't feel close to God or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And there's this kind of analogy or, or comparison that I would like to make. If you've ever played the game two troops and a lie, this game is basically, you know, you give three stories or three facts about yourself and Two of them are true, one of them's a lie, and someone has to guess which one's the lie. And the really incredible thing about this game is that the best players always know how to make the lie sound like the truth and the truth sound like a lie. Mm-hmm. And it's always ever so slightly. And so when I play, um, I never tell a flat out lie. It's usually I tell a story that happened to someone else and make it my story. And so this twisting of the truth and this trying to pushing the lie is usually not a flat-out lie or completely not the truth. It's usually a twist on it. Uh, as you know, Paul said, the shadows of what was to come, the reality in Christ, as we said in the intro, this shadow almost of what the truth really is.
1: Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just feel like we can get so caught up in, like, fantasizing about the lie or, like, twisting it to a point to where it seems realistic. And I think it's so easy to do that with the Lord, too. Like, thinking in our minds, oh, of course I'm thinking about God. Like, oh, of course I'm, you know, my mind is pure. I'm thinking rightly. And so we get caught up in, like, trying to justify ourselves that, like, what we're doing isn't wrong or isn't, like... I don't know, misguided in any sort of way. Um So, yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up. Like, we can get so blindsided by twisting of our words and our thoughts, and it may not necessarily have any sort of, like, malicious intent, but to ourselves, it's like, you know, we're still putting up that veil. Even the slightest kind of mistruth can still um take us so far from the Lord.
0: Yeah, and kind of refocusing on this this concept of the veil, right? It's this thin fabric blocking off the presence of God. Mm-hmm. For the Israelites, it was a real thing. For yeah. us, it's a figurative thing. And so we're trying to discover what are the veils. And it's so important to figure out how to think rightly because when we think wrongly, that's when we create veils. Yeah. That's when we create that distortion. And so a couple of maybe indicators for us to watch out for in thinking wrongly, how we know we're thinking wrongly. We can just start asking ourselves questions. Um, you know, number one, asking where God is in a situation when you feel unusual, when you feel worried, when you feel like something's wrong, you kind of get this sense of uneasiness. And I call it getting spiritually centered where I want to get solid ground on Jesus. I want to focus on him. I want to land on him. And so usually to recognize what's wrong is they're asking, where is God in this? If yeah. I can answer Either A, that's going to reveal, hey, things are all right, or B, something's wrong, but now I know what, where to go to. And then we also want to make sure that we're consistent with our beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. So I never want to be concrete in my beliefs. I, I think that oftentimes, as more is unveiled to us, as more is revealed to us, as more we discover who we are, uh, our beliefs change a little bit over time. I think they should be consistent to the base truths about God, but we should be open to new ideas to how God works to see him fully. But when we have thinking, it should be consistent to our core. Yeah. If the best I know about God, the the most revelation that he's given me, when I compare it to that in scripture and what I see in his character, if something's off, then I know there's been a distortion in the reality of things.
1: Yeah. I was just thinking that exact same thing. Like it goes hand in hand with even hearing his voice. Like, if it seems as though it's not in character with him, from scripture, from how he is with us, like, all of our relationships are super unique with the Lord, um, that's almost kind of like a red flag waving right in front of our eyes, like, hey, you should take another look at this, or, hey, you should see where this is going, where is this thought originating from, like, is it coming from your heart and the enemy, is the Lord giving you this, um, what you said about revelation was really good, too. Um, Paul even writes in Acts, you know, like, oh, the gospel, like, wasn't taught to me, but it was given to me by, like, the Lord. It was revelation. It was yeah, fresh yeah. revelation. And so even going based off of that, it's like, oh, all of this that I'm learning is revelation from the Lord. It's not like somebody's just kind of, like, spoon-feeding me something. But it's like, through my time with the Lord, through thinking about Him, through conversing, Um, and reading like the word, it's like, oh, he's constantly pouring into me. And if I'm thinking rightly, I'm going to get every portion of that rather than just like blocking out a lot of it.
0: I really love like sitting on this, this revelation idea and that word can be abused or misused. Mm -hmm. People are suspicious when you use it. Yeah. Revelation. And one way to put it is simply to reveal what is, what actually is. And that's the essence of reality. That's the essence of the reality of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if we can um, even just draw on that imagery, revelation to reveal what actually is before us, the actual unveiling before us, to go beyond the veil, the essential idea of this podcast. And you focus on this, and I think... There's this moment often in our walk, and I think it's actually really consistent and actually continuous, if we allow it to be, Mm -hmm. the word conviction.
2: Yeah.
0: Conviction is one of those terms that's, you know, another theological term or religious word that we use. and Sometimes people mean it in different ways. And there's this element of conviction where it shows you when, hey, you're doing something outside of God's will, and it kind of get, it stirs up in you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this. Maybe something's wrong here. Or sometimes it's even, I'm not actually doing anything wrong, but I'm thinking wrongly about this. Yeah. And that in of itself is wrongdoing. And so, what to notice about conviction is actually, in of, of itself, it's not this own individual process. It's part of the greater flowing of God. Yeah. And I think this is a really important. To realize, because if you can recognize conviction, I think a lot of Christians early in their their walk or who are in a little bit lesser maturity, conviction is often the thing they feel most from God. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is this isn't part by itself, but it's a greater whole. And so it's actually to recognize what God's doing in the room. Yeah. What God's thinking and feeling. And this kind of leads us to our next point. It's how do we think rightly? And... It's all about recognizing God's thoughts on things, how mm-hmm. God sees it. Whatever God sees is true. The truest thing about you is what God thinks about you. Yeah. And so uh, this idea of conviction, this idea of recognizing what God's doing in a room, it's all this flow of
1: what God actually sees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, conviction itself is like walking hand in hand with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The more that you walk with the Spirit, the more that you listen to God, Like, the more that you're going to kind of get those convicting feelings or like these thoughts of, oh man, what would the Lord be doing in this situation? Things like that because, you know, as we continue in our journey, as we keep walking with him, walking with the spirit, we begin to be like more like him originally how we were supposed to be. Righteousness, like being as we ought to be. Um, So yeah, conviction and just walking in the spirit and thinking rightly all go hand in hand together.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like I said we earlier, we can get into so many nuances of, of thinking rightly mm-hmm. and what it looks like to escape wrong thinking and what that really means. Um, but setting up the framework of, you know, what is thinking wrongly, but then how do we think rightly? I think the number one thing is going to be repentance. Yeah. And that's a word we have to really challenge right now because it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a very simple meaning that kind of goes in that free-flowing. It's not this separate systematic theology where repentance does this and conviction does this and hearing God's voice does this. It all works together. Yeah. And so repentance, Um. I think you probably have some good thoughts on that if you want to share.
1: Well, yeah. Simply put, like repentance is just to change the way you think. Yeah. Um. And so it's not like this gut-wrenching, like, oh, man, I'm doing everything wrong. I need to turn my life around. But it's simply like, it's a lot simpler than it seems. Yeah. Like oftentimes we think of repentance as like this big scary word, and it's like it is gonna change like the way that you live. Um and it could be very difficult for you, more than likely it is, but it's just changing the way that you think. So it's like Oh, I'm gonna steal Garrett's lunch money today. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then start to like get a little bit of conviction about that, maybe, hopefully. Um and repentance would be changing that thought. And it's like, actually, I'm going to try and pour into Garrett today instead of like trying to take away from him. Um, and they can be big and little changes. But the root of repentance is a lot simpler than most would like, make it. Yeah,
0: it's not its own separate thing. It's a part of hearing God's voice. Yeah. Which, just to clarify, when we say hearing God's voice, it's not always this audible thing, though mm-hmm. sometimes it is. It's it's just understanding what God is saying in the room, what He's feeling, what His thoughts are. It's communicating with God. It's yeah. as if, um, you were show me your body language, and I could read that, and I know what you want to do, and you know maybe I, I know what food you like, and it's to understand what God is like, what He thinks, and to go in correspondence with that. And so, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to do with repentance, but there's this element that. You go in in the Bible and you see and John the Baptist is preaching repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand yeah in mark yeah and it's it's a really really beautiful story it's one that in our circle we use a lot for discipleship mm-hmm. it's kind of this framework so we can go on those like repent and believe um, moment so we call this a Kairos moment so the, the time is at hand the kingdom of God is at near yeah it's this is word Kairos and I'm not an expert on you know Greek, but essentially it's like this God-pregnant time. It's this moment full of potential, mm-hmm. is one way to put it. And so that's part of that stirring. When you notice something's wrong or when you notice there's maybe a better way to think about something, there's part of this stirring, this kairos moment in you. And there's this chance to repent, to change the way you think, to see God as He is, to see what's really happening. And there's a chance to believe, to accept what it is, to follow through, to hold it as true. And so um, to think rightly is actually often a progression. Our, our pastor likes to say this, that, you know, when God saves you, you, you get a new heart, but you don't often get a new mind. Yeah. Usually it's a renewing of the mind. It's your part of the deal. And so we go through these Kairos moments and hopefully regularly where we can say that was my inferior way of thinking and God's given me an upgrade. It's mm-hmm. how I see this and it's going to change my life. And we have to recognize those, those moments are often happening. But if we don't recognize that there's chances to think rightly, we're going to miss it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, repentance for everyone that John was preaching to at that moment was huge because they didn't know what any of that was like. They didn't know like, oh, the, this Messiah is coming. We've heard about him. But like, who is he? Um, and they were still stuck in like Jewish law. And so for them, it, repentance was like life changing. And it was a completely different way of going about things. Um, and you know, thinking rightly in that sense, it's like, oh, this one guy is saying something crazy. Maybe I'll go and listen to him. Or it's like, oh, maybe I'll take what he's saying and bring it before the Lord and like just go through it with the Lord. And from there it's revelation instead of like hearsay or one person's words. It's not taking something as gospel, whatever somebody else is saying, but actually bring it before the Lord And ask him, like, what do you think about this? What do you have to say about this?
0: And this is like the entirety of it. You know, saying earlier, hey, I'm not an expert. Sometimes the way I see things changes. Having this fluidity, this ability to repent, it's it's this whole process. And so even to say, hey, what I believed a year ago, I don't quite believe now. Mm -hmm. It's not inconsistent of who God is or my experiences with him, but it's a, a greater way of seeing him is to see him more as he is and so repentance is actually incredibly beautiful yeah it allows us to see God for who he is you know he said reality to see what actually is my challenge particularly for this like last couple of months is to see God in actuality mm-hmm. it's no way of saying what actually is I don't want to see him um, for how I need him in the moment or just how it's convenient because if it's convenient a lot of times we don't see God at all yeah But I want to see God for what he's doing. And when I do that, everything changes. If I could just grasp how he really is. And so I love repentance. I love to change the way I think, not to be
1: inconsistent, but to see what really is, to actually become consistent. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about like what thinking wrongly was. We've talked about like kind of how to think rightly, different ways to go about that. Uh, So what is available if we start to think rightly?
0: Yeah, this is the essence of the, the central idea of the podcast, right? Beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. Thinking wrongly creates a veil. Thinking rightly allows us to uh, drop the veil, the veil we put up ourselves And now there's something available on the other side of this. And like we said earlier, there's so many ways to go with this, but we can lay down some framework for you. This is something that helps guide me. You will always live out of the identity you believe that you have. Mm -hmm. You will always live out of the identity that you believe you have. If you think that you're unworthy, you're going to live it out. Yeah. If you think that God hates you, you're going to act like it. And so when people struggle with sin, when they struggle with thought patterns, when they get into really rough times in life, oftentimes it's from an inferior belief. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna live out of that reality. It's our perspective, if you will. And if that's the case, then there's a perspective that's available that we could see not only God rightly, but ourselves rightly. But to see ourselves rightly, we have to see him rightly first. We have to see his character. What does Jesus look like? We know that Jesus is the full image of God. And so if we can see what he looks like, his kindness he has for us, the love he demonstrates on the cross, Mm -hmm. then we can start seeing, if this is what I am to him, now that means my life matters. Because the creator decided that his creation, me, matters matters. Nothing else can dictate it. The truest thing about you is what God thinks about you. Yeah. And if there's a gap between what God thinks about you and what you think about you, we need to bridge that gap in His direction. Any leeway to that gap is a disservice to what's available to us.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree. It's like, you know, living out what you were made for, um, whether that be like, uh, I think you'll get that from the Lord, just like revelation from him. Uh, Sozo would call it your kingdom calling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's just fresh revelation from the Lord based on your wiring and your relationship with him and how you think, really. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, and my challenge for for myself to other people and this is something I kind of hold myself to, is I'll never let someone settle for less than God's best for them. And that's most often going to be with their identity. Who they are to God is a starting place. Then they begin to be uh, fully become who they are to God in practice and functionality and belief. And as that happens, a whole world of possibility comes available. Now, there's a working you can do with your father that wasn't available before yeah it's the spiritual maturity that Paul speaks of that as you recognize what's true as you recognize who you really are as you accept it as you practice it you begin to realize the call in your life and I was in a discipleship group a couple of weeks ago and this is kind of the definition for greatness that, that came out of our, our talk was that greatness is becoming the fully what God created you to be yeah that's good and so It's not just identity, but it's also purpose. These things are in tandem. And so as you discover who you really are, now you can go do it. And it is so exciting that Mm -hmm. God has for us. It's not to go through the motions or go through a rat race and uh, grind our lives out, but it's to go do with the Father, to be uh, a child with Him to follow along with his business and work with him. Yeah. And so that's different for everyone, and that's the great thing about it. We talk about these different perspectives of God. As we enter to the reality of him, we see a perspective of him that is true, but it's all from our own angles. And there's so much beauty to see everyone's um, revealed reality of God. And it's all true, and we can bring it together and say, wow, like you see it this way and I see it this way. And they're both not differencing, but they actually work together, and they reveal more of who he is. And so that's available as a community too. Yeah. You know, this, this stuff isn't just for you, but it's all collectively. How can we see God rightly?
1: Yeah. So I think just to kind of close this up here, um, thinking rightly is so important when it comes to tearing away that veil. Yeah. I mean, when we have that kingdom perspective and just that Christ like mind, we really start to, uh, I think just discover the love that the father has for us, but also like further our relationship with him. And it's out of love. It's not out of like fear, fear. Um, a lot of times people are like, Oh, I have a fear of the Lord, but it's like, no, with him, it's like, it's this partnership and it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the bride and the groom becoming one. Um, just like you said, it's like, we're co-laborers. We're working with him um, and everything that I'm doing, I'm inviting the Lord in. And now, since I'm doing that, He's always with me. Every time that I'm thinking, it's like, oh, I don't even have to try and think about the Lord Mm. anymore. Like, He's just constantly coming into my thoughts and whatever I'm going through. Um,
0: Yeah, and here's where all this comes out ahead for me. This idea of thinking wrongly, repenting, joining with what God's doing. There was this moment almost a year ago where I was driving at night, and I was thinking to myself, why is it that I just can't do what I know I should do? Or why is it that I struggle to to think rightly on certain things? You know, Paul writes about this kind of thing, and Christians identify with it. And he says, you know, I, I know what I should do, and I don't do what I do, or I don't do what I should do. Mm-hmm. And that's not exactly, it says it's a paraphrase, but essentially the I is we know what's right, and we struggle to do it. And a lot of people use that as a crutch to say, I'll never be able to do what's right. But here's the thing is, Paul was not perfected yet. Yeah. He was in the process of repentance. He was in the process of growing. And so when he says that, I don't think that that's a rule of thumb for us, but that's actually a description of what he was presently going through. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably true that at some point in his life, he got better at doing what he knew he was supposed to do, not because he was trying to do it, but because he became who God made him to be. And so I was at this moment driving home, thinking about this, and I felt like God had told me in this thought that I would never have full access to him until I gave him full access to me. Yeah, that's good. And the thing wasn't, I know it sounds like maybe God's withholding, but that's not what he was saying. What he was saying was that there's parts of me that I'm holding on to that I won't give up. It's part of that thinking wrongly. And those parts, he will not be able to give himself to because I'm withholding it from him. Yeah. And so in order to have him, I must give him all my parts. In order to have him in completion, He must have every part of me. And you you have to recognize this. You cannot receive what you reject. Mm -hmm. It's not forceful. It's not control. God is a giver. Yeah. And we are to be receivers, and we can't receive what we reject. That goes for the gospel. That goes for gifts from God, but that goes really importantly for thinking rightly. When there's better beliefs, a better way to see things that will affect the way I live, how I live and my purpose and my identity, I won't be able to receive that while I'm rejecting it also. And so the challenge for us is to give every part over, every thought over and to let him show us what
1: reality really looks like. Yeah, that's all really good gear. Well guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just really good today. Um, really thought-provoking and really just furthering like how you think about the Lord. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So just a quick summary for you guys. We know when we're thinking wrongly, When we excuse me, <laughs> let me say it this way. We know when we think wrongly because we feel the stirring of the spirit. We need to feel the conviction. It's written on our hearts. It does not What we're doing or thinking isn't accurate to the picture of God that we see in Jesus. And then how do we think rightly? We must repent, we must recognize the moment at hand. This stirring is an opportunity to have an inferior belief be changed to a superior belief and to see God rightly. We must repent and change the way we think. And then what's available for us? Our full identity, who we are, and then the direction of our purpose, and then working with God within that purpose. So thanks for joining us this week, guys. Uh, You can listen to the podcast in many places. You can watch the video on YouTube. We also have an Instagram you can keep up with. It's going to be Veil underscore podcast. That's Veil underscore podcast.
1: Thank you, guys. See you next time.